This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 61 of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality industry from right here in Orange County to the rest of Southern California and beyond each and every episode. I'm your host, Crawford McCarthy, founder of The Best Seats. As always, thank you to my friend, Allie Coyle, who provides music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com. And if you go back just a handful of episodes, you can actually hear her on the podcast where we sit down and talk about a bunch of different topics. As a reminder, if you do enjoy this show, please be sure to leave a rating and or a review wherever you are listening to it. It helps other folks discover it. Go to thebestseats.com for more content just like this. And do not forget that you could have had ad-free listening by going to patreon.com forward slash the best seats that it's D-E-A-T-S for those of you that cannot read and signing up at a monthly amount that means the most, well, means the most to me, but makes the most sense to you. But either way, whether you're listening to it on Patreon or over on free feeds, I am so thankful for the support because you make each and every episode possible, including this one, number 61. For this episode, I am very, very grateful to sit down with Dave Vandenberg, one of the owners of FKN Bread. That is FKN, not freaking bread, as we're going to hear about, down in San Juan Capistrano. Now, if you're unfamiliar with FKN, either you're not spending a lot of time on social media or you haven't driven around the booming downtown that is San Juan Capistrano in that depot district, FKN was, for all the bad stories that came out of 2020, all the devastation, all the lost businesses, the stress, FKN was one of those few shining lights. They started basically as a husband and wife team that was just making, like the entire rest of the world seemed to be, sourdough. Uh, coming from culinary backgrounds, Dave started messing around with recipes. They started selling it to friends. They came up with a cheeky tongue-in-cheek name that was really fun. Everybody it was the exact type of humor we needed in 2020. People glommed onto it like crazy. Lo and behold, several months later, they have just opened a bakery in San Juan Capistrano, and it is just continuing to boom the way that it did during when it was only Instagram sales during the pandemic. Not that the pandemic is particularly over, but those really, really dark shutdown days that we all dealt with, especially out here in California, FK was a success story that came out of those days. And something like that is huge. Like I said, for all the bad stories that there were, this was a really awesome shining light of a husband-wife team stepping up, providing for their family, and doing something really, really awesome that brought a lot of smiles to people's faces. So... This is a little bit of a quicker episode. Um, I was able to sit down with Dave right after a busy, busy work day for them. Every single day seems to be busy, but he was nice enough to take a couple minutes while the team was kind of closing up the bakery all around us and uh, sit down to give a little bit of background on what they've been doing, what the future is going to hold, and more. So I hope you enjoy episode 61 of the Best Seats podcast 
featuring co-founder of FKN Bread, Dave Vandenberg. Enjoy. Dave, thank you so much for taking the time to hop on the show right after what I can only assume was a busy day down here at FKN in San Juan. Before we dive into the bakery and your background and kind of how you, you and your wife brought this to be, would you mind taking a couple moments and introducing yourself and giving a little bit of your background? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm Dave Vandenberg. I grew up here in San Juan Capistrano. Um, 34 years old. Been in the industry for about 12 years now. I actually started up in uh, San Francisco in a couple small cafes up there, um, namely the Velo Rouge. It's in the, the inner Richmond up there. And yeah, I've just been in the industry for a while and kind of bouncing around from restaurant to restaurant and uh, really enjoy cooking and really enjoy sourdough. So it kind of was a perfect fit for us. Before we touch on kind of where we're recording this at the bakery itself, one of the few, 2020 was an ass kicking of a year for a lot of people. One of the positives was that you could not escape sourdough. Everybody, it seemed everybody jumped yeah. on the trend. Everybody had starters going. It went on everybody's social media. You guys have obviously taken it to the logical place of opening up a very, very, very good and already well-respected, even its infancy bakery. Yeah. How did it come about for you? Where did the passion of doing this come from for you? Yeah, so I mean, it stemmed from me living in San Francisco, obviously, um, some of the best sourdough in the world up there. And I've, I actually started when I was up there, um, working on breads, doing stuff like that up there. And yeah, it's always just been a passion of mine. Um, baking for me has always been kind of soothing and relaxing, kind of after doing like culinary stuff, being in restaurants, working the line, working the hotline. Um, it always seemed like like a little side gig toward that I was doing. And so, yeah, the sourdough bread thing came about. And I mean, I had done starters in the past. And um, one of my friends actually brought me over a really old starter that she had. And um, it just kind of built from there. So I, I want to, before we continue to kind of jump down the rabbit hole of this, we've got to talk about one of my favorite things is the name. Now, it is not what a lot of people, I think, who aren't familiar with it would think when they see it. Again, I've seen it on the bumper stickers of cars. I've seen yeah. it all over. Even I wasn't aware of it the first time that I saw it. I was like, nice, they're just going very bold and yeah, yeah. it sounds phonetic. <laughs> Explain where the name came from and the inspiration for the bakery itself. So, I mean, obviously it's in good fun. It's kind of a cheeky name, but mm -hmm. um, it's our kids' initials, Finn, Kane, and Nash. And we were kind of spitballing me and Bree. Um, just trying to figure out a name for our bread as we started like to sell it to friends and stuff like that. And we were playing with the initials, F and K didn't really work, kind of funky bread. We're like, well, that's not gonna be good. And then we were like, our last name's Vandenberg. So we were like Vandy bread or something Dutch, cause I'm Dutch. And um, yeah, we settled on FKN and it, it's just all in good fun and people have fun with it and it kind of markets itself, so. You guys were one of the stories down here in Orange County that came out of basically social media, connecting with friends, selling it on Instagram. There's been other guests of the show. You know, Josh Lozano was selling Bass Cheesecakes, doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. There were a lot of bartenders who were selling cocktails to friends. How did the, I guess the economics is the best way to describe it, of launching a brand through social media and a pandemic work for you guys? How did you figure out kind of the packaging and, and getting it to people and going from there? Yeah, so I mean, I think the name had a huge role in that, actually. Um, we just started basically stamping bags with the symbol, FKN Bread, and people would come to our house, pick it up, 
take pictures of it, post it on Instagram. I got my effing bread. And it was just so funny because, uh, yeah, I mean, like we said, like it markets itself. Um, and we had fun with it in the beginning, especially. Yeah. You know, a lot of people were posting about it and a lot of people were hating on it. A lot of people were backing it up. So it just all kind of snowballed into that. It is, it, it, it is fun. I know whenever I want to feel, you know, sad, I'll, I'll go on Twitter or Facebook or something like that. And lo and behold, there will be somebody having an issue. And yeah. how do you explain this to the children? And it's a oh, cheeky yeah. joke. And I, I love it. <laughs> and I love that you guys have run with it. Yeah. When did it transition from just being something to kind of stay busy during this shutdown while everybody kind of navigated what to do to where it is now and where we're, where we're sitting recording this. I think my wife made that transition, transition really easy. Um, we, we started selling it just to our friends, basically, because everyone wanted sourdough bread. Um, and then their friends wanted it, and then their friends wanted it. And all of a sudden, it was like people were picking up 10 at a time, 12 at a time to give to all their friends. And we kind of started to see like, oh, what's our maximum capacity that we can do out of the house? Um, obviously, we grew out of that pretty quickly, um, moved it into our garage. We started baking loaves in three different ovens in our house. And all of a sudden, it was like, this is something that this town needs. Um, it's a niche that's kind of untouched in this town right now. And it turned into something a lot more very quickly. And we started looking for places. We checked out a few places in San Juan and kind of settled on this location. And it's been a great location for us, um, kind of in the heart of San Juan. And this, this is turning into basically like a mecca of food around here with all the different places opening. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I was definitely going to bring it up if you didn't, but you already hit the nail on the head. So let's talk about that, especially as somebody who's from here. What does it mean to you to not only open your own business here following the butt kicking that was 2020, but to do it at a time where, like you said, San Juan is exploding right now. And just the people that I've had on the show, you know, the team over at Mayfield, obviously Danny Castillo with Heritage Barbecue. You've had the long stays here, the team down at Trevor at the Tracks. I mean, outside of all the great little mom and pop like taquerias and stuff like that that's around here, what does that mean for you to have your own spot now where you're from? Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. Um, it's just been amazing to see the kind of support that we receive from the whole city. Um, like the whole town is just blossoming right now and we're, we're happy to be a part of it and we just want to grow with this town basically and it's we're in the perfect spot to do so and we feel like we can actually engage with the audience really well through social media and through the different platforms that we have in this town and it's been great it's been just an amazing experience for us so we're recording this episode September 3rd depending on when people are hearing it this is still very much kind of in its infancy. When did the bakery actually come to be? When did it get open? And what has that process been like of actually unlocking those doors to customers for the first time? Yeah, it was a long process for us. Um, I think we signed the lease last September, so a year ago. And we, we signed the lease knowing very little about the place, knowing very little about what we needed to accomplish here just in order to get the doors open. So it, it was a long process for us to get to the point where we are now. Um, we finally opened the doors um, in July, which about eight months after we signed the lease, yeah. nine months after we signed the lease. So it was, it was a long process. There was a lot that had to be done here. Um, but yeah, it's just been an amazing experience. Signing the lease in September, give or take, and my, my dates could be wrong on this, we would have been looking at you know, restricted dining still, potential other shutdown, at least here in California. Yeah. 
as somebody who was diving into a new business, fears, trepidations, I mean, cold sweats in the middle of the night? Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of why we picked this location. Um, we know the foot traffic's here with the mission, with all the stuff that's going on in the city. Um, we always kind of had this idea of just doing the takeout to go quick grab and go stuff that people can just walk up and go. Um, the online ordering, especially. It's just been, um, it was tough for sure. Like getting the permits done and everything during COVID was hard. It was a lot of waiting, a lot of waiting around for people. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we had the idea that there's not, not very many kind of grab and go locations in the city. So we, we figured that it would be a good idea to do that kind of a, a bakery takeout style. And yeah, it's worked out for us. So not too, not too mad, not too <laughs> sad about it. <laughs> and it should be noted that at this point, even though you guys are still very much in the infancy of being open, it's already evolving quickly just beyond the loaves of bread. I mean, what are some of the things that you guys have brought on board recently, like the deli sandwiches and other things? And, and what are some plans kind of for the future of it? Yeah. So, I mean, we have a, a couple of different pastry bakers that we brought in that are incredible and they've been doing all sorts of fun croissants, all sorts of fun, different like muffins, um, cupcakes, cookies. We just kind of take every day as what it is and, and look for fresh ingredients and kind of build off that. Um, the sandwiches have been a hit. It's been crazy. Ever since we got Boar's Head in, people have been just lining up for it. Um, and the future, I mean, obviously we want to start doing flatbreads. We wanted to start doing a couple different styles of breads, ciabatta, focaccia. And we've done a couple in the past and people enjoy it, but it's kind of hard to like beat the staples. And with our staffing the way it is right now, we're just kind of trying to, trying to get there right now. So. So it, before I, it, I had another question in mind, but because you mentioned staffing, we can kind of not to use the word of 2020 pivot, but we can pivot and talk about that. It's probably outside of supply chains and issues and, and general kind of dealing with the public based on different health mandates, supply, like getting staff is huge right now. It's massive. Everybody's dealing with it. I, depending on when people are listening to this episode, they may still be. I hope that's not the case. While this is not a traditional restaurant, you definitely need staff. You need people on hand. And especially with what you're producing every day, coming in and making the breads and things like that. What's that process been like to not just open a new business, but a business that does require certain skill sets within this industry? Yeah, yeah. It's been difficult for sure. I mean, finding people was hard. Finding the right people is even harder, especially right now. Um, I, I was very lucky. I have a lot of close friends that were really interested in helping out. So I've had um, a couple of my friends from the past, a chef of mine in the past that worked with me at Solani's, worked with me at Driftwood Kitchen, um, and she's been helping out. And then people that have been under me in the past kind of um, jumping in and doing what they can here. And it's, it's been a real big help for us. Um, yeah, I mean, staffing's always difficult no matter where you are, but especially this year, it's been a, it's been a try for, for sure. So You mentioned... Uh, you know, you mentioned Solani's and, and you mentioned these other kitchens that you've worked in. For people that are listening in the area, they're going to know what these restaurants are. For people that are not, these are, you're talking kind of high-end steak. You're talking, you know, high-end meals. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To go from a kitchen background like that, working the hotline and busting your tail, what's it like to now kind of be, not that this is calmer, as I'm sure it's still a lot of work. And, and of course, having a family at the same time never makes things more relaxing. But yeah, yeah. What's it like to transition out of the regular kind of grind of, of, a, of a Saturday night service to this? It's been good. Um, it's definitely different. I mean, 
we what we do here is more of routine than it is on on a hotline which i mean you're doing the same thing every day on the hotline but it's always different yeah whereas here it's kind of like you have to stick to the routine um it's all very set it's all very planned in course especially with the starter it's um timing timing is everything and it's it's always different here too though in a way because each day brings new challenges um the starter won't grow some days take six hours instead of four or the dough's not just not feeling right and you got to just kind of work through it and it has a lot to do with weather has a lot to do with just different elements in the kitchen and it's been fun. It, we're, we're learning. We take each day for what it is. Um, nothing's ever exactly the same here. We try to, try to get for, get, go for consistency, but it's always just a little different each day. So we take it one day at a time. Um, like I said, it's just more routine. The hotline was fun. It was um, crazy, chaotic. Here is more where we're enjoying it a little bit more, listening to music, hanging out, and talking all day. So I, I also have to admit. Well, it's time for a little commercial, yeah. I don't know about you, but 2020 had me re-looking at how I live and the space that I live in. Spending so much time at home really had me reevaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things, as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants, was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potager comes in. Heirloom Potager designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef, Owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotager.com. That's heirloom, H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M, potager, P-O-T-A-G-E-R.com today. Once again, that's heirloompotager.com. If you listen to the best seats at all or read the content, then you know the motto, live well and often. But what does it mean? In layman's terms, it's trying to give you the best products, places, experiences, and more, so you can put a big smile on your face every single day. Amass Botanics is what I use on my back bar constantly if I need a cocktail or a quick pick-me-up. Any of their other botanical products, like candles, hand sanitizer, and more, also helps to set the mood. Now, I'm a big fan of everything that Amass does. I have been since day one when they launched their trademark gin, and everything they've done since then has been nothing short of excellent. Now you can get your hands on their products at a discounted rate by going to amass.com and using the discount code, thebestseats15, that's C-E-A-T-S, at checkout. Now it's limited one per customer, so make sure you load up. But trust me, you can't go wrong with anything they're doing. I stand by Amass 100%. They're one of my go-to brands for spirits needs or anything around the house. So again, go to Amass.com, that's A-M-A-S-S, and use the code THEBESTSEATS15 at checkout. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. I also have to imagine it's got to be a little bit nicer being done at a 
you know, a more regular hour Definitely. and kind of keeping more civilian hours and, and kind of outside of the, the chaos and kind of the fire that kitchens bring. Definitely. My wife does not miss me coming home at 2 a.m. <laughs> reeking like a brewery and, and uh, yeah, parking the car in the grass or <laughs> whatever it was that night. I just don't want to make noise. Maybe she won't hear me. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you mentioned that you were selling to friends and it helped grow in the popularity before kind of the brick and mortar was up. Um, it's unsurprising then that other chefs caught on board and you would see, you know, FKN popping up at other restaurants and people are starting to have it on their menus and things like that. What's that aspect of the business been like? Yeah, it's been good. Um, we've, we've gotten a lot of people that have reached out to us, um, in our, in our infancy, like you said, we, we've been, um, having to turn a lot of people away right now just because it's a lot, um, the daily grind of, of getting those orders out early in the morning and delivering and all that has been hard. Um, we, we do deliver to a few of these local restaurants around here and then a couple of coffee shops that come and pick up. But it's been tough to do that wholesale stuff. Um, it's just hard for us to, to just justify when we can't produce enough out of here to kind of fill our shelves each day. Yeah. And so to send it away at a cheaper rate and everything, it's, it's just tough. How do you manage scaling? like that on that level because it, you want to be able to obviously fulfill that it's ultimately more dollars which you can put back into the business and, and everybody else's pockets is there a need at the moment to try and expand is it just trying to manage kind of the chaos of the day-to-day -day? it is more so trying to just manage the day-to-day -day, um, for us right now but what we're trying to do now is just kind of figure out what the demand is um, and go from there we, we are able to make about 250 loaves of bread out of this place right now a day. And that's the high end for like weekends we would sell that much. So um, during the week, we try and keep it a little lower, 100 loaves a day. And that's kind of been a good scale for us right now. If we were to expand, um, I think we would have to take on a few more of those wholesale accounts, more restaurants, maybe even grocery stores, stuff like that. So. If you're not able to take on a main kind of consistent account, is there any look into just doing collaborations for special events or one-offs or things like that? And selfishly, I'm asking with, because I know that in an upcoming episode, hopefully if we can schedule it, depending on when people are hearing this, it may have already happened. I want to get the team from Hammerburger on there. And I know that they've mentioned that they want to work with FKN and other chefs have shared the same sentiment. So if you're not able to do the wholesale at the moment, is there still an ability or a desire to maybe do that one-off event? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's something that we've been looking into a lot recently, um, doing collaborations. Danny from Heritage Barbecue has already mentioned it. Um, like you said, Hammerburger's been mentioning it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, we're interested. It's just um, a matter of like the logistics of the whole thing. Yeah. And how, it's gonna, how we're going to make it work. Obviously, our kitchen's not really meant for doing too much of the hotline cooking, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's more baking, so... Um, to be able to supply that sort of thing for people, we'd love to do that. And we love to do events. Um, we've done a couple. We're, we're coming up on Tall Ships Festival in Dana Point Harbor. And we'll be doing that one, which is next weekend, actually, September 11th, I think. Yeah. And depend, yeah, yeah, I think that will be. Mm -hmm. What does it feel like to have the immediate... I guess kind of you guys are beloved basically and it kind of came out of nowhere all of a sudden it was you're all shut down COVID-19 good luck all of a sudden FKN comes on the scene and now you know it's 10 11 months after you sign a lease we're sitting here in the bakery of it instant gratification I mean it's it you guys make a great product was there any 
surprised by the success that you've had even just so early on. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, I think my wife has a lot to do with that. She's, a, she's an angel. She's, she's a saint if you've ever met her. Um, everyone who talks to her wants to be friends with her and she's just got that aura and vibe about her that um, kind of brings people in. And like I said, I mean, I make a good product, but she really sells it. She, she makes this place what it is. Um, yeah, it's just, it's been great. It's, it's interesting, you know? We, we had no idea that it would be as big as it became, so. I want to talk about sourdough properly. I think I was one of the six people on the planet that didn't try to make my own starter at home and didn't <laughs> go down that route. Um, there was a lot of it all over social media. There's still a lot of it. It's, it's really having a moment right now, which is perfectly fine because it's delicious. Yeah. And a high tide raises all ships, so the more people making it, the better it can become. What are some of the things, there are still a lot of people making it at home. Any tips, advice, things that you've seen, things that other people are trying that have inspired you? Yeah, I mean, um, I think the biggest thing for me is just watching the starter, especially in the beginning. It's just kind of learning what that thing is, what it's doing, how it can be built better, how it can be stronger, um, and listening to it, taking notes each day. It's a, it's a big thing. Like, it's a growing fungus, basically, that mm -hmm. you're growing. And I was going to say, for the four people that are listening to this that are not aware yeah. of what a starter is, can you kind of give the, the, just the elevator pitch of... Yeah. what that living thing is. Yeah, so basically what you're doing is just growing bacteria in a flower and water and you're, you're feeding it each day and just kind of growing and growing. And uh, yeah, the starter, I mean, for me, it was really easy because I had done it in the past and I knew kind of like the, the logistics of it. And San Juan's a good area for it. Um, you want it to be a little bit cooler, damper. Um, in this little creek that we're in here, it stays pretty cool in the mornings, so that's been good for it. Um, just getting a consistent schedule, like feeding it routinely, that's been the biggest thing, is mm -hmm. kind of figuring that whole thing out and figuring out the weather and how it affects it. So. How long did you play around with your initial recipe before you got to a point where you were like, okay, I'm comfortable sending this out? Because even though it's baking and it's not the hotline like we said in your past, I have to imagine that there's that inherent chef still in you that is, no, it's not good enough. It can't go out yet. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we, um, we, we've been still playing around with it recently. Um, we, in the beginning, obviously, we were using kind of like the generic flowers. We, we didn't, weren't able to buy the, the nicer stuff from like a, a vendor or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Just going to grocery stores and picking up the Bob's Red Mill. Yep using the best flowers we could. And at the time, obviously, flour was a hot commodity. I was going to say, the fact that you could even find it <laughs> is surprising. Yeah, so that was difficult in the beginning. And, and we made it work in the beginning. And it, it wasn't like a superior product that I was like really hell-bent on. This is our sourdough. This is what it's going to always be. Yeah. Um, and so we've been playing with it ever since. And um, like I said, the weather changes, and, and we have to change the recipe. Um, we're always trying to build the protein in it. and. We do that by using a couple different flowers and it's, yeah, it's always evolving. Um, we just try and go for the most sour notes that we can. That's what most people are looking for in it. And yeah. Yeah. That's what are some of the products that you've done since whether they're, it, it could be a special flavor profile or maybe an ingredient that you were able to throw in it. I mean, you guys have a couple of, at this point, steadfast products in your roster. What are some of your favorite ones or some of the things that you thought were going to work out maybe in the experimental phase and then just 
shit, maybe not. Yeah, so we've done actually a couple different collaborations um, with Heritage Barbecue um, using their smoked sausages Mm -hmm. inside the loaves, and those were really fun. I did one with like blue cheese and onion, and there was their hamburger sausage, which which actually paired really well together. That was one of the funner loaves we've done. Um, Around Thanksgiving, I did another one that was really fun with like fennel and different stuffing elements, so it was kind of like a stuffing bread. And that one was actually a big, big success around Thanksgiving. Um, I've done a couple with like beets and goat cheese, which were fun, but didn't really sell. Um, the jalapeno cheddar here has been. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's been. It's been the staple around yeah. here. So um, that one, I mean, it's just fun. It's easy. Um, the flavor profiles are there. It's got all the right notes. And it's yeah, it's good. Especially with all of the different places opening in San Juan that are bringing a lot of different flavors to the area, do you ever look around at some of the restaurants you're surrounded by and find an ingredient or or maybe a flavor and kind of think, ooh, we could play with that and I could have some fun there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're always like trying to learn each day and especially from the people around here, they're all great chefs. They've all been doing it a long time. So, I mean, yeah, we want to learn from them and we want to be able to build off what they're doing. So. What does the future of FKN look like right now? Just managing the day-to-day or just keeping it going and and grinding out, working on new projects? Yeah, I mean, uh, the future looks bright, I would say. Um, We've been looking around. We've been kind of just keeping our ear to the ground, seeing what's going on. Um, We do have big plans, and I think with the success that we've already been seeing here in this location, we've already been kind of looking to expand and try new things. I, I have always dreamt of opening more of like a chef casual cafe. And I think this would be the perfect platform to launch that from. Um, and whether it's kind of more like sit down or just cafe style. Yeah. I, I want it to be kind of something that I can build my product off. So, Well, you mentioned earlier that it's nice to, th- this is not, the same as working a traditional hotline for you know a Saturday service at a restaurant. This is more repetition. This is consistency. This is managing the little variables like the starter and things like that. Is there that? And while it's nice to not be you know home at two a.m. after you know chef's drinks and things like that, is there still kind of that that drive to create and push a little more and, and kind of see just how far you can kind of take something? Yeah, I mean, you obviously you miss that kind of lifestyle when you're you're dealing with some of the nicest products in the world. And yeah, you get to pull in stuff that you would never, never even see in a grocery store or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's always fun to like play with new things and and try new things in the kitchen. And and like you said, the hotline is it's just a place where um, it's it's like going to battle each night. Yeah, and that kind of feeling, that camaraderie, the the teamwork, it's, it's, it's a good feeling after like a Saturday night, busy Saturday night service and you made it and nothing really went wrong. You had no refires or whatever it is. It's, it was a good feeling and um, yeah, you miss it, but you also like to be around your family and yeah. have the nights off. And What do your days look like now? When, you're, when are you starting and when are you getting home? When you're not having to sit down for podcasts so after a shift? That's a little <laughs> different. Um, Instead of getting home at 3 a.m., I'm leaving home at 3 a.m. So <laughs> it's, yeah, it's been different for sure. Um, I usually get done around 4, 4 4.30. And uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just a different schedule, but it's, it's been fun. Good. That's great. 
Um, if people wanted to find you guys on social media, not that they're going to have a super hard time doing so or anything like that, if they wanted to reach out and learn more about what you guys are doing down here, where can uh, people do that at? Yeah, fkinbread on Instagram is our Instagram tag. Um, you can also email us at hello at fkinbread.com. Um, either way is good. Our Instagram is a, a fun spot to kind of view us. We do a lot of reels. We do a lot of like fun things on there and try and keep it up to date each day and just keep it fun and light. So That's awesome. Dave, thank you so, so much for the time, man. I will let you get back home to your kids. Um, Lord knows that they definitely want to see you, but I, I love what you guys are doing down here. I've, I've been a fan since day number one that I saw it, and uh, I just think it's only going to get bigger. Appreciate it, man. Thank you very awesome. much. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much today for taking the time. Again, after a busy work day, just kind of setting up the podcast equipment right in the front of the bakery, him being able to sit down and talk all things kind of sourdough, the background, how everything came to be. Again, if you live in the area and you have not checked them out yet, please, please, please do so. I know that sourdough almost became a meme during 2020 and the early, early parts of 2021 with the amount of people making starters and things like that, but they're really doing special stuff down there. It's really, really delicious. It's a perfect fit into the San Juan community. I know there's been a bunch of San Juan shows in this podcast in particular, but they exist for a reason. Everybody down there is just kicking butt, whether it's the new kids on the block or the established folks that have been there forever and really laid the foundation for all the new kids to come on down and play. So be sure to check them out. If you're not in the area, give them a look on social media. It's fun. They're just having fun with it. Again, it is pronounced F-K-N. But since we're still in the middle of a pandemic, basically that does not seem to want to end. You call it whatever you want. But either way, go check it out because it's delicious, fun, and they're really, really good people. And I'm so grateful for them to take the time to come on this pokey little podcast and talk all things delicious sourdough. Thank you to all the sponsors. Thank you to everybody who supports on Patreon. Thank you to you for listening and supporting, whether you're on Patreon or free feeds. It means the world. I feel similar to FKN in the sense that it's just community support. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Please go check them out, and I'll see you soon. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash the best seats. The following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. Cheryl McCarthy, Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Pizza Guy 92, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Burrito No Rito, Jay Baker, Sarah Hines. Thank you for your support.